Episode 109 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Bola. And thanks for joining us as we take our, our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic and we talk about other uh, sundry topics. Jeff, uh, happy opening day of the NFL. Yeah, it is um, obviously opening day, lots of weirdness. Tom Brady not wearing a Patriots uniform, Cam Newton wearing a Patriots uniform, no fans in a lot of places. But uh, there are some things that never change. The Browns are still terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still really good. Um, Bengals still find a way to lose. Bengals still find a way to lose, yeah. And the Saints dominate at home. And the Saints, yeah, so there you go. It's like the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It's definitely weird, but, um, I guess the sense of normalcy is welcome these days. Maybe, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I really, with everything else going on in the world right now, between the virus, the election, wildfires, whatever, did it, didn't it just feel like there was probably the least amount of buzz for an NFL season? Um, I guess, I mean, I guess just because I'm not, I don't feel like l- tuned in, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's so that's, I don't it's, it's not, it's not that it's not there. I'm just not maybe paying attention to it. I mean, I, it's just, there's so much else going on. I mean, yeah. even sports too. I mean, I know the NFL is the all, you know, the all controlling behemoth, but mm-hmm. you know, NBA playoffs are going on. Yeah. Um, baseball is, I mean, headed towards the playoffs. <laughs> After, after this ridiculously short season uh, would so and hockey's still going on i guess this would be is this the first time that all four major sports so in america thursday, at the same time thursday night was the first time ever that hockey all four sports hockey basketball baseball football mls wnba and college football all play and there's nascar too all mm. were on the same night yeah um which is pretty remarkable yeah um but yeah you know i expected to see some suspect play and there were there were a lack of sharpness today obviously from the cincinnati bengals and the detroit lions who always find a way to be themselves um and tom brady didn't look the best but i think overall considering you know no preseason games and stuff everybody looked like they you know they knew what they were doing at least um but yeah, still, still just feels weird. Um, the Rams are playing right now in their brand new, you know, billion dollar stadium, and there's nobody in and it. Literally nobody there. Yeah. And let's give it up for the Rams for building a brand new stadium and getting brand new uniforms and a new logo and having the uniforms and the logo look hideous. Mm. So I'll give a tip, tip of the cap to them, in my opinion, at least. Well, we'll see what the uh, Washington football team comes up with next year. Yeah, what do you, what do you think they're going to be? What's your what's your guess? Um, I mean, I would think some sort of you know reference to to governmental, you know, right? You know the mm-hmm. the the 
I mean, the senators. I mean, that's the that's a classic baseball. I don't. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it's pretty easy. It's, yeah, senators aren't as revered as they once were. I like the red tails idea after the uh, the the Skiggy Airman hmm. thing. No, but yeah, oh, yeah I like good. that. But um, we'll see. There's that one guy that owns like all the trademarks for like who trademarked like what ten different pot- potential nicknames for or something. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, you know, at least they have uh, solid ownership, so I'm sure it won't get messed up at all. No, he's a fine, upstanding citizen, too. Yeah. Yeah, real, real good guy. So um, so we've got, a, we've got a big show. We've got a big show today. Yeah, coming on the heels of your, your, your star turn on YouTube. With a, yeah, my first uh, YouTube, well, my live YouTube appearance. Michael Paul Masano. Uh, yeah. you did, did you watch a little bit? I did. Um, watch a little Guitar Teacher X. I didn't even know you were doing it. You didn't tell me. And then, well, it was like we had been talking about it for a while. Michael and I had, and it was we kept like we were going to do it like right before, like at the beginning of August when Panic announced that they were going to do like all the throwback shows, and I was like, well, let's wait. Let's wait till those are done because there's going to be some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was glad to have waited for that. And then, uh, yeah, and I just wanted to get, yeah, I want to get it done before I uh, rejoin the family. So yes. um, we just, yeah, made it happen. But, uh, but yeah, I uh, happened upon it and watched for a little while and it was, uh, it was good. You guys did a nice job. He's such an earnest, genuine, just very nice guy. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think you know you, you had said before he cre- he cuts such a positive swath through a a swamp of negativity that the <laughs> that the internet is yeah and like YouTube especially I feel like YouTube is like the worst of the worst as far as comments go it's pretty bad I mean the comments during the panic live streams are pretty ridiculous um, but uh, but yeah everybody seemed to be. Uh, Minding their P's and Q's and stayed positive. And uh, yeah. you got some tips of the cap for uh, for some, for your your uh, your witty repartee. Um, yeah. You know, not it's it's you know it's always good to expose everybody, Harvey, to to the to to uh, to who you are. And, and well, really- I thought it was funny. Like people kept talking about like you know that I'm going old school, like Hauser Panic. I'm like, what exactly did you expect that you were going to get? Like, I mean, no offense, but like that's what that's what I do. So you yeah, know, nobody should have been surprised by that. But uh, yeah, and I and I finished it off. I kept you know, like trying to figure out how how are we gonna like put a cherry on top at the end of this. And uh, I'm assuming you didn't make it to the end because it was pretty late. But no, you guys were going. Um, we closed it down with the uh, the protein drink, my last act uh, sewing machine from uh, New Year's '01 with Vic Chestnut. Nice. And yeah, I was like, at the end, I was like, you know, I felt like you had come far enough that you were able to, you know, ex- to, to, to handle this because it's not, it's not accessible, you know, not generally accessible kind of music. And um, yeah, it was cool to see like some of the comments of people that hadn't heard it before, like talking about, I forget, I'd have to look back and see, but I was like, you know, this is like a cross between like two crazy things. And I was like, yeah, it is. Um, had Michael heard Vic Chestnut before? Was he familiar with Vic at all? No, like, yeah, he said that he, 
like it was one of those where he's like, I vaguely feel like I know him, you know, but did, didn't know him well and certainly hadn't heard any brute or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, he was definitely digging it. Like he definitely got where Vic was coming from, which is yeah. cool. Good. And, uh, and always fun to watch that video of like the, the girls. Oh, and guys too, you know, people that are there for new year's to like party down. And it's like, here's the darkest, <laughs> gnarliest Southern Gothic rock and roll you could ever hear. And you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just say tall boy. I just want to be a tall boy. Come on, port song. Come on. <laughs> so yeah. Um, um, and uh, the first episode of of uh, of the 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 Harvey Couch uh, Sam Holt Chronicles were yeah was excellent. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, that was good. Sam Sam's great. And yeah, he even I, he even like texted me and was like, "Man, I really, you know, he I think he." Uh, he appreciated having an outlet to like, you know, I think yeah. he, he had some things he wanted to sort of say out loud and sure. he hadn't had the chance to do that. So I think that was awesome for him. No, I mean, it was really, it was cool to hear again. It's just, you and I know, know some stuff, but Sam knows lots of stuff and he knows, uh, yeah. some of the insider stuff, but also he's a musician, which you and I are not. Right, right, um, yeah. which is also, you know, of would be valuable input. To <laughs> have a while. Um, but he, uh, but no, just hearing him talk about Todd and, and, you know, some of the, not necessarily the behind the scenes stuff, but just hearing, you know, what a fellow musician thinks about how Todd would play and how he played with Mikey. And then I think I really appreciated the line. He, uh, um, shared up uh, Roger Hawkins who played at Muscle Shoals about Todd being mm, a, right. you know, the, yeah. the transition machine or I think that's what he called him. And, yeah. Transition magician. Transition magician, thank you. Which yeah. was, which was pretty cool. And uh, you know, that's it's true. <laughs> yeah, no, so, for sure. And like the songs that he had written, like the some that uh wasn't yeah. like that he had written, like the diner lick yeah, yeah. and um from uh from the cradle and so yeah, I th- and then just again, I think we had talked about it before, but just hearing him, you know, being the I don't know, the train the the Hauser translator, <laughs> it's just sort of the right, right, yeah, and and, and it made per- I mean it, uh, it it was one of those like eureka moments for me because it made like perfect sense yeah when I heard it, but I had never thought about that like that it's just yeah I mean I could have totally imagined that anybody else would be like no that's that's not how you play that, those notes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like that. You play it like this and sure. so Todd just made it work. So, yeah. It was uh, cool. And this next part will be, uh, will be good. And I don't know what y'all picked for music. So it'll be a surprise to, to me as well. Yeah. Some good, uh, some good panic stuff. And uh, we also get into um, some of his, we talk about home team a little bit, if people are, uh, are not familiar with home team. And then also he's got a song. I don't know if you ever heard, uh, check me out with the cheeseburger, mm. which is, um, a great song. It, it, it is an earworm if you've never heard it before. So, um, we'll, it, it will play it in this episode. So check it out. And it's about, um, Steve Lopez, uh-huh. like the, 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 I don't know what his title is, if he's like tour manager or what, but um, it's really funny and it's cool to hear some some inside baseball about that. So mm. good stuff this week from Sam. So nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
I guess what about uh, about six months ago? What so about six months ago? Right, we started this um, this Sweet Sixteen for COVID nineteen bracket. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and here at the Blues Tape, as we do, you know, timely uh, timely responses. We we bring it to a close uh, slowly <laughs> and over a very long period of time, but. We had uh, we had established the finals uh, and the voting closed, you know, several several weeks ago. But it was um, Huntsville '96 and New Orleans ten twenty eight two thousand, and one of the sort of not drawbacks, but like sort of surprises of the whole process was that the, there weren't many close matchups. That like majority the uh, the like higher seed won usually pretty pretty convincingly. Um, but that is that was not the case in the finals. It was by far the closest matchup we had of the entire tournament, which is cool. I mean, I'm glad to see that that's finally we get a, a good matchup. And um, so as it as it talked or as it as it settled out, um, it was the three seed, the New Orleans uh, Halloween show from 2000. Um, when you combine the Twitter and Facebook votes, 52% to 48% over Huntsville 96. The Twitter voting went back and forth. Like we were watching it. Like it went back and forth like four times in the last couple of days yeah. of voting. And it, it, it finished. I, I did the numbers before we did the podcast. Uh, 127 votes to 126. <laughs> 50.2% to 49.8% on Twitter. Wow. That that, uh, that Halloween uh, New Orleans that took it by one vote in in Facebook land it was actually a little bit uh, a little bit wider margin it was fifty five percent to forty five percent for New Orleans as well so mm. on the whole uh, it was fifty two to forty eight percent a gap of uh, thirteen votes among three hundred and sixty five that were cast so. Um, I, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, obviously an, an upset in our eyes, we had, we had put that as the three seed. Um, although I guess it was, was that the highest? Um, no, I guess that was because the uh, Myrtle beach was the two seed. So the, yeah. it was an, it was an at large uh, bid. It was not an official release, but, um, yeah, I think, um, I was a little surprised by the, by the result. Yeah. I said it, um, you're right. It did. It they. It crept up. It crept up uh, on uh, Huntsville there towards the end and uh, mm-hmm, John mm-hmm. Run and you know again I come back to that comment. You know again lost track of time, but the last episode that we talked about this, um, there's this comment from uh, uh, somebody that was actually at the the Huntsville show and for and the New Orleans show and the Huntsville show and compared the two. And I was like, we didn't know what we were watching in Huntsville, but we knew what we were watching in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, and I was, it's sort of the, to me, I think that was the thing that I didn't really think about all that much. Cause I just think about, I uh, maintained a healthy distance and tried to be dis- dispassionate analysis. And uh, you know, I think four, three is probably better performed, but I think uh, we got a winner overall. So I think it's, uh, you know, I would be interested to put both shows in front of the band. I feel like they would probably pick apart New Orleans a lot more than they would pick apart Huntsville. 
Oh yeah, no, I mean I think <laughs> yeah, you were clubs in the New Orleans, uh, the show. Well, yeah, I mean I've got, you've said that a few times. I mean I know JB kind of kind of butchers the Junko partner. Yeah, but um, other than that, I listened to that today before the show just to sort of, uh, and. Man, it's just so, it, it's a fun show. It's well executed, and the crowd is just so engaged. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was maybe the most fun I've ever had at a show, mm-hmm. and you can hear it. I mean, like even like from the jump. I mean, obviously, disco opener, which in my mind should probably win it. Just you know, hands down when you're when you're talking. You know, it's like look where the where were the openers? Okay, closed. It's over. Um, but like. <laughs> literally like after like the first like Hauser solo, it's like the, the crowd like goes nuts on disco, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so it's just, you knew from the get go that there's, that everybody's into it. And then obviously, um, you know, all the other highlights, but yeah, I mean, and you get, and then even after disco, you get pleased with like a nice long jam into blackout blues. I mean, it's a really nice one, two, three to start. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's easy to uh, dismiss it as a, you know, as a special, you know, as, as like, a, you know, it'd be like, like, like a, like a football team that like, you know, does a lot of razzle dazzle. It's not like a, you know, it, it's are you like, laughing at me or were you going to say something? No, no, no. I was, I was going to make a, I was going to use a, a wrestling reference to describe okay. But, yeah, no, I'm sure you could. Yeah, what's the wrestling reference? Well, I mean, it's sort of like watching, uh, you know, a 60 minutes, uh, well executed, you know, five star Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes match versus a uh, 15 minute high flying flips off the top rope through tables, like mm-hmm. you know, Young Bucks AEW match that you see right now. Both are super entertaining and both, but and both have their moments. Yeah, um, and both have their place certainly. But I think that I, I you know, no, I'm that, so so I hear that, and, I, and that was what I was trying to say. So I appreciate you saying that. But I would say I feel like when it comes down to it, if you actually like laid it out, that I think that the that the the New Orleans Halloween actually stacks up pretty well. If you look at like the actual like execution and the the setless construction that you know even i mean because i just I, it's it's a really good show man i mean obviously it won you know everybody else feels the same way but like i mean there's there's not many weak spots like even if you look at like you know they play give in the middle of the second set and then they like stretch it out and make it a nine minute give you know and uh well, the post yeah, drums yeah. is super solid. You got you know two bust out encores. It's uh, yeah. performing at the highest level on the biggest stage. Yeah, it is, and so then sometimes you uh, that's what it is. And there's a lot of Huntsville's. You know, it's a great show. Obviously, it's one of the best mm-hmm. ever. But there's a lot of you know it's a ran it's a there's a lot of random Tuesday and Wednesday nights in Panic's history that are pretty awesome. Right, and. uh but and very few Saturday nights in New Orleans. Yes, in Halloween, right? Yeah, I mean that 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 was a once in a lifetime run, once in a lifetime show, and yeah, I think it'd be one of those things where, you know, my I don't I don't want to imagine my life having not been there. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I don't know yeah. if it would have changed anything inextricably, but it would not. It would my life would not be as would not be as robust. How about that? That I could because yeah. if I had to come say, well, I didn't, I didn't go because you know, blah 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 blah. I don't want that. I got I got excuses for missing like uh, let's see, what's the date? Ten or nine thirty two thousand five at mm-hmm. the Roy Wilkins Auditorium in St. Paul. How about that? Yeah, one? That's acceptable. That's yeah. a, that's an acceptable miss, right? Um, <laughs> I have unused tickets from that show. Um, wow. Actually, that is uh, sorry. That's October first, two thousand five. And uh, yes, because I'm really kicking myself. Although yeah, it wasn't a bad show, but you know, I'm I, sure it was fun. They did uh, like the things about me, and none of us are free. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't miss anything life changing. Well, and also I do think that these were um, this show and the and the spring '96 show. I mean, you're talking about fall 2000 and spring '96. I think are you know if you were to like rank all of the tours that they would have to be in the in the conversation, right? Yeah, in the top five. Just of like the band just being sort of just firing on all cylinders. I know that that Sam is he's a big fan of of where the band was in in the fall of two thousand. I think it shows from the stage. Yep. So yeah, we finally, so we finally wrapped it up. It is the longest uh, <laughs> tournament. Well, we had to get through the non-sports season, right? Yeah. And so now that sports are back, we can yeah. close it down. But it will not. But if they decide to put all three hundred and fifty-four teams in the mm-hmm. in a bubble or something mm-hmm. like that for the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, that one might take a little bit longer. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I'll have to think of what the next uh, the next experience like this. Maybe we should do like songs, top sixty-four songs or something. Can we do that? Well, we've got twenty-fifth anniversary of. Uh, fall 2005 which is a pretty fair tour yeah that was a good one um i wanted to uh i wanted to there i got a a tweet yesterday from uh at got deebs on twitter about uh asking what the, the driving song is that we play for the intro to the show do you know what it is jeff i don't it's uh it's Oak Mountain five three ninety seven. Mm. Driving disco driving. And uh, I when I first when we first started doing this, I was like, you know, I'll mix it up every week and do like a different driving song. And um that one is just so you're right. Well, first of all, just the yeah, the naivete. <laughs> we were so but, earnest when we started that. Uh, right, right. Um, but it, honestly, it was like, I don't know. It's just, it's such a good one. It's hard. And like JB just lets loose with the, you know, um, so it's just, I, ca- I can't find a better one to be honest. So, um, so anyway, I wanted to let him know. Cause I don't know that I'd ever said that out loud. I don't think he did. Um, but that's good to know. Thanks for asking the question. Got, got deebs. Yeah. Um, all right so what uh anything else before we uh before we get into into to our conversation my conversation with sam are you um which uh 
uh, did you see any of the clips from the Warren and Danny show? From that? I watched a little bit of it today. It looked really, it looked pretty good. Yeah. What did you, did you? Cool set list. Yeah, I was like, I was, in, I was uh, encouraged because I've been like recently, I've been thinking about like, oh god, really? Like, do I really want to go? Like, sit in a big field in the cold in New England and listen to to Warren sing like slow man ballads, and uh, <laughs> and so I, I I feel I feel encouraged that he's gonna mix it up a little bit with Danny out there. Yeah, it's it sounded louder. You know what I mean? Like it, he's played some electric and. Um, so I think it's going to be a little more than just him, him singing hallelujah on acoustic. Not that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I would love to see that, but you know what I mean? Yeah, but still. Um, so do you have any tickets to any shows this, that for the fall or have ever, has everything that you would possibly have attended been canceled or pushed back? Um, I, I have tickets to the, well, the J-Rad show that was originally uh, at the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville, which was originally, I think, in, was that in March or April? I think it was in, it was in mid, I don't know, late March or early April, maybe. Mm-hmm. Got postponed to October of this year. And they just postponed it again, I think, until like, like late summer next year. Okay. Um, so I still have tickets to that show when, and if that'll ever happen. Um, but I think that, that is it, that and the Warren show. That's all I've got. Yeah. What about you? I don't have oh, yeah. anything. Have uh, there been, have they been doing, I mean, I got, they're not doing stuff in Memphis, like drive-ins or. No. Um, Lucero did its block party the last two nights from Minglewood hall in front of no people and then just streamed it the first night was a all request show and they played like i think the top they played like the top 15 or 16 songs that people voted for and then they then, then they played the four songs that got the least number of votes which oh I, nice I <laughs> and cool um and then last night they did they played nobody's darlings all the way through and then i think they played more requests or something so um no, I mean we're we're part. The museum is hosting, uh, going to host a film for the Indie Memphis Film Festival, and we're going to do that in our parking lot. Uh, and we might do something uh, in there. Um, might try to do some music after that, since we'll have it already cordoned off and things. We had a we had a streaming concert in the museum last Sunday night, actually. Got it with uh, Kirk Whalem, the well-known jazz saxophone player and, and such, and put it out over YouTube and Facebook. And it was, it was a really nice event. Kirk's an awesome guy and his band was, was pretty good, but they had some technical issues, I guess, that kind of were glitchy throughout the whole thing. But it was the first time I'd seen sort of like the pro uh, virtual concert setup, you know? And, oh, I mean, it was like, pro all the way through you know multiple cameras and switcher i mean they added you know director and switchers and i mean just the amount of gear that they had um, and the internet connection that they needed and all kinds of stuff like it was serious stuff were you guys able to provide that or yeah we actually we actually can confidently confidently uh, say we have a strong and uh quick 
<laughs> internet signal for a change. Um, but, uh, but it was a lot. And even though they, I mean, great crew were super responsible, you know, double, triple, quadruple checked everything. They still had issues because somebody, um, apparently, um, either wiped or sprayed disinfectant on microphones. Oh, that's not good. And, uh, shorted a couple, three of them out. So the sound was a little, was a little bad, uh, not great on the YouTube or on the mm. virtual, on the stream. Um, yeah. From where I was in the in the room, it was good. Yeah, it sounded great there, right? But it was also one of those things where it was like just you know we as we've we've been talking to a couple of firms about doing some doing some programming, and it's like ah maybe we'll just work, focus on recording the thing mm. and then mm. and then showing it as opposed to just trying to do it live. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially given our state, but no, it was a it was cool. But again, it's just sort of the. The drive-in show, the drive-in shows all seem to be happening, you know, in the Northeast and, you know, I guess they're doing a couple, some, what was it, Yonder Mountain's doing one in North Carolina or something, but most of them are in the Northeast. Yeah. So we Railroaders know. doing one in Virginia and there've been yeah. some up in Chicago, I think, but, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely a Northern, a Northern thing, which will be super nice when the weather turns and stuff. So it'll be great when you're outside up in, uh, connect, Connecticut, yeah, in the middle of October, I think it gets a little chilly. Yeah. So. Sitting on a blanket, listening to Patchwork Quilt. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, get my hand warmers. Howdy, <laughs> um, it's howdy weather. That'll be great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I uh, hopefully hopefully we'll have some shows next year. Um, I hope so. You should see what Panic does. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna guess that Playa's a no go. Yeah, I think that's gonna be it's gonna be hard. Um, yeah, I don't know what the target should. I, mean, I guess the target should probably be next summer, maybe. Yeah. You know, um, even that might be a little optimistic, but um, we'll see. So, congratulations to ten twenty eight two thousand. Uh, as voted by you guys as the uh, as the greatest panic show of all time, I guess, right? I mean, yep. Sort of fair fair belt for it to wear for now. So, um, all right. Anything else, Jeff? No. Let's get started. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Joined again by friend of the podcast, Mister Sam Holt. Sam, happy Friday night to you. Hey, Harvey. Thank you, man. Happy Friday night to you and happy whatever day it is to anyone else in the future listening to this. this. Yeah, because if you're uh, as the folks that listen to this podcast know that it's not usually a timely turnaround on these recordings um, because, you know, I've got other stuff going on in my life. So I I try my best. But uh, but yeah, so maybe it'll be next Friday, Friday after that. Who knows? So um, but thanks for taking the time to join and, uh, and, and chat a little bit. Of course, man. I had, I had so much fun on the last one. I'm glad we get to do it again. And, and I hope that like we're, we're kindling, you know, rekindling some, that, that's one of the cool things about this podcast for me, at least is it's like a, an excuse to dig in and like listen to shows I haven't listened to in a long time or explore tours yeah. that maybe I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time with. So I hope maybe you got a little bit of that out it, of, of the 
of the it, practice. It triggered some things that had always like left left check marks in my head, like, oh, that one, that's ridiculous. But I haven't listened to it in six years or whatever. And I got to revisit some of those things and it's yeah, still gives me the, the chill bumps. What um that that kind of that sort of leads me to like what I mean, so obviously you're you know, you're a big fan for a long time. And then when you started like when you're on the crew, I'm guessing you weren't like listening to panic shows, right? I mean, well, you were every night on tour, but like, right. I'm guessing that's sort of, cause it's one of those things where when you're doing it for work, it's like, that's not what you do, you know, in your free time. So if I assume that was the case, and if that was the case, at what point did you, or have you, maybe you, you aren't, but like, when did you get back to the point where you're like, Oh, I'll pick out this show and listen to it on this uh, drive or whatever. A few I quit working in 2007. I would say three or four years ago. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so that's I mean, it's about ten years. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I wouldn't like tell someone to turn it off if it was like playing in someone's car right. or at a house or something. <laughs> but I just didn't. I don't know. It you was, didn't reach for it. You didn't reach I didn't for re- it. I mean, I, I didn't totally reach get for it. it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a few years ago. I guess when we started trying to Sam Holt band started doing some of the remembering Mikey shows and pl- going a little bit deeper in the catalog that was like, not the sandbox stuff or not the, not the obvious stuff that we already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I would listen to some stuff and that would spark, spark some, some memories to want to listen to other stuff. And and then now like with <clears throat> there's, there's the re-listen app. There's an app called Taper Section. There's a new app mm-hmm. that's uh, mm-hmm. someone told me about called Widespread Dead. That's like dead. It's and, got some same. It's got panic. some same old stuff on there too. That's what I've been told that they're going to add some outformation and Sam Holt band stuff. So that'll be cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, I it's just so easy. And it, and it's like there's there's this library. It's literally a library. And you can research the history of this of Panic, and it is so cool. There are so many awesome sounding soundboards from like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, some, and then it kind of ends. But there's still a bunch of audience tapes. But I remember when all those like ninety two and ninety three and ninety four soundboards started getting out and tra- being traded on cassette. That mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I used to listen to. That and the Dead mm-hmm. and driving mm-hmm. in my car. I used to deliver like magazines and papers. And I would, I would wear that shit out, man, that I listened to so much fall 93 panic, all those soundboards, but it's just amazing that all that is at, at your fingertips. And, and you can go check the history of this band and see how they were playing night to night, how songs were developing and just hear their excitement, hear their tiredness, hear, hear what was going on. It is, we're so lucky. To, to be able to have that. And and the person that recorded a bunch of that is named Richard Kerlopian. And he was panics. He was a taper. I met him in like 92. He was a taper. And then he became their merchandise guy and went on the road with him probably spring 93, summer 93. And he had a DAT deck, digital audio tape recorder and plugged out of the board every night. And that's how a lot of that stuff got out. And, I think there was at one point where he got 
plussed out for it, but I think in the long run, it had helped them. I know I've heard Dave say in an interview, like they went to the West coast for the first time and people were singing their songs and, yeah. and that's because people had heard, you know, heard the tapes. Right. Yeah. And there was that, that great run. We did, I did a whole episode with, with Ted Rockwell on it. The It's like October 21st through November 2nd, I think of 93. It was like 14 shows in 14 days. Yeah. That's from that's like Lawrence, intense. Kansas to Seattle or some Portland, maybe. Um, yeah. yeah, that was some wild stuff. I remember seeing in the Panicle they dubbed that like the the Punisher tour or something. You ever see that? <laughs> no, but that sounds no. right. I also yeah. found a postcard the other day that I got in the mail from a long time ago that has that is all that all those shows like a like, like when they were announcing the tour. Or, yeah, or like here's yeah. a postcard. We'll be at the you know here, and it had like I think it started at ten twenty one, which was. Mm-hmm what Lawrence yeah. and went, went through the end of the 94 tour. The call before you haul. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, so that's cool. Yeah. So see, I had like, I had the same deal cause I, I did like sports radio for like four or five years and it was awesome. I mean, it, it didn't pay very well and it was like yeah. brutal hours, but it was a fun gig to be able to just like, basically your job is to like keep up with sports Cool. And so, yeah, it was great. But man, by the end, I was like, I was done. Like, I was okay. like, I don't want to watch a game or see Sports Center. Yeah, and it was like I detoxed for like two years. And I mean, I'm a big sports fan. It was like I just had to not pay attention for a while. Okay, so I totally get it from that perspective for you. Yeah, so. um, I did. I did listen there for the first couple years when Mike was still there. I I was able to get uh. Um, my own mix the monitor guy would oh, give yeah? me a belt pack and and i had my own headphones and i would listen to um the show uh it had like jb's guitar pan to one side mics to the other so because i wanted to hear if anything was sounding weird or or uh i would want to hear it as soon as they heard it so i could get the jump on anything that might happen so were you at that point were you were you responsible for both of their stuff their their rigs Yes, I was I was guitar tech for both those guys. Okay. I didn't know if it was just Mike or oh, I forgot because there was. In fact, we're gonna are we gonna play that show from Asheville two thousand where JB yells at you during. Uh, yes, I forget what it was. Yeah, that's a great video if nobody's seen it before. It's a uh, great I'm, show. I'm certain you have. Yeah, it is a great show. It, it, I'm sure it, you, you didn't relive, relive that experience. I'm it, I'm finally not traumatized by it anymore <laughs> and can enjoy it, but it was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, anyways, no, I, think we, I think we I think we covered it last time. We, okay, it's, that's one of my favorite memories for sure of seeing that. But, but I was listening um, to yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah. So you're listening to them in your in your head, and so how often? Like, so you're listening for like going out of tune, or like well, impro- that, you know something funky happening with with a pedal or or short, an amp. you know shorts or okay, yeah, or if the tone sounds weird, or if like. You know, the guy mix in front of the house calls me and goes, hey, man, is the mic in a weird place? Mm-hmm. And I can listen to it and be like, I don't know. Let me go check, you know, and see if it, I can tell what he's talking about or if like a tube's about to go bad in one of the amps or if it's sounding really good. Just just to be able to hear it as they're hearing it was my. And how, how often were you having to like deal with those issues in a show? Um, not much at the beginning. I had a little bit of a learning curve. Um, there, yeah, I, 
did we go over this last time? How I almost was sent home. Did I tell you that? No, no, I don't think we've heard this story. Okay, was, so good. Like, so the first first week or so, I was this having a fall, hard. This is fall two thousand, right? So summer, it's like October, October two thousand. Summer. Okay, July. Summer, sorry. July. All right. Oh, um, uh, so so I was having a hard time keeping Mike Mike's high E string which is the highest string, thinnest string on the guitar in tune. He would play it, and then the pitch would drop. And I couldn't figure it out. And I remember there was one night they took Pilgrims off the set list because he wasn't confident in, oh, wow. in, in the guitar staying in tune. And it you was just really ruined somebody's rough. night, Sam. Like, I somebody, mean, like I, there were people out there who were going to hear Pilgrims, and you ruined I it. No, oh. I screwed okay. them hard. And uh, anyway, so I, there was like – there was a couple, there was one morning, I remember a morning in Detroit and they were like, well, I think we're going to get you a plane ticket. We appreciate your help. You know, I just don't know if this is going to work out. And then like we got through that show and then the next day, uh, Mike came and talked to me and he's like, he's like, look, man, he's like, you, I think you can do this, but you're going to have to like figure this out and, and we'll give you the chance. And, uh, so luckily it things turned around but with a big turning point was um there was a break after Winston Salem between Winston Salem and Oak Mountain and I took all of Mike's mm -hmm. guitars to my buddy in Nashville cuz that's I'd been working in Nashville and my buddy was Tim McGraw's guitar tech and I took him to him and I was like man what's going on what am I missing here and so we started working on him and taking him apart. And he was, he's like, show me how you change the strings and all this stuff. And so this is probably going to get technical and I hope I can make this make sense. But Mike's tremolo, which is where the strings go over the bridge and through the body in the back, like where his right hand would be, that floats. There are springs there that float. So it's not fixed. So it moves around. And when I was stretching the strings, I wasn't holding that tremolo in place. I wasn't keeping it fixed. So when I would stretch the strings, the bridge would move. So the strings weren't really getting worked out and stretched because when you put new guitar strings on, you mm. need to stretch them. So they get yeah. worked in. And so there wasn't that tightness. Like it was. Yeah, it was, they weren't. They were loose, still. Right? They needed. Yeah. They weren't stable because you mm. got to stretch them a little bit and work them a little bit till they get stable and they don't slip out of tune so after i figured that out um i remember after the first night of oak mountain you're like, also, oh, yeah, we're, we're cooking <laughs> yeah after the first night of oak mountain because also my buddy had uh had told told me a different way to wire his rig where it could be less noisy because we talked about how we i wired it and stuff and uh after the first night of oak mountain mike was like man my my shit hadn't sounded that good in a really long time Nice. And from that point on, it was it was good. But there was a couple yeah. weeks, a couple weeks where I was shitting shaky. bricks. Yeah. <laughs> so was that not? I mean, had, I'm surprised that that was. Is that something unique to his guitar, or were you? That was just. I mean, you never had to deal. You had never had to deal with something at that level before, and it. You know, you, yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal when you played or whatever. You know? I'd never had a guitar with a tremolo or worked on one. Okay. Like JB's, okay. I could keep in tune fine because when I'd stretch the strings, when I was changing them, it would stretch the strings. Okay. 
I hope this makes sense. It's probably no, no. So, I'm, so JB's guitar didn't have a tremolo, right? So okay. you All know right. what I would do is I would change the strings, and then when I would tune them, I would tune them to pitch, and then I would sit there and like stretch them, like pull on them, and then they would drop pitch a little, and I tune them back up, and after a few times of that, they would they're good. They're they're, they're, right. they're they're worked out. They're they've they've been stretched, and they're not going to slip anymore. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Inside baseball. Yes. Um, okay, so you picked out some stuff for, and so we're still, we still have a, th- are we still, we're still on the Todd theme, right? So yes. you know, we're still, we're still honoring Todd here on this episode, and you picked out some stuff that stood out to you uh-huh. specifically for for his for his contributions here, right? Yeah, most of these tunes are came to came to mind with him in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you want to? We want to walk through them a little bit, or do you want to? Should we come? Should we do that after after we play them? What do you think? That's a good uh, dealer's choice. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're the dealer. Maybe I mean. Okay. Maybe a little bit of a. Uh, you don't have to necessarily get into the to the performance as much as maybe. What what um, okay. maybe give some uh, give some some color to like sure. the thoughts, right? So so the first thing is this four twenty ninety show, yes, in in um, Murfreesboro, uh, Murfreesboro. Yes, uh, were you were you at the show? Yes, yes, I was. Okay. And, and it's this the- is, I mean, as as far as like, so I I I got into the band. My first show was in ninety three. Okay, so like the the. Um, and I really started like collecting tapes like in like 95 ish. And so the tapes that I was getting were like 92, 93 shows. Cause I yeah. probably, I mean, I wasn't as cool as you probably, you know, I mean, I wasn't pulling stuff. And so then like, but I remember this show being a show that was like a, um, it was like an, imp- it seemed to be like an important show. You know what I mean? Like for whatever reason, like back then, like the tape, the four twenty ninety tape was like, yeah, well, I don't I th- know because it sounded really good and it had some yeah. cool stuff happening. I, I don't know. I think does that I think does that seem reasonable? I would I would agree a hundred percent with that okay. because okay. yes, the mix is real good. Uh, there were low generation copies going around mm-hmm. um, with you know less tape hiss, and my my buddy had taped it on his, so I was getting first gen, and then you know everyone that got it for me got second generation, and. Uh, the recording sounds real good. The, you can hear pretty much everything. Uh, it was just a good night. I think it was a Saturday. Maybe it's a Friday. Um, and they asked, this is like, to me, when they were starting to really, really get good. Like, mm-hmm. really figuring it out. and like They moved out of the cover space, right? I mean, yeah, like, I all, think it's all, all original, original pretty much. Yeah. And uh, this was also a really exciting time. And one of the reasons that at least in my eyes. And one of the reasons I picked this is because it's the second set opener and they just come out and start, Todd just starts a drum beat and they would do that around this time. They would just come out and see what was going to happen. Like they might have a key in mind, um, like Dave and Mike, but Todd would just start something just to see, just to see, just to see what's going to happen. And I think there's a, you know, this snorkel search, which was dubbed that by Larry Aquaviva, who was the band, one of the band's, uh, tech guys road crew at the time who kept set lists. I, 
you know, I don't think it was ever played again. I don't think they could mm-hmm. ever play it again. I think it was just something that happened. They probably, you know, went out at set break and had a couple beers and, you know, burned it up and came back in and like, let's just see what's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's just really cool to, 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 that you can, you can feel that, you know, you can hear that. Right. And they're also still pretty young and still like excitable. And, uh, like even that the LA at Liza's that's after it is, is pretty fast, you know, and it would slow down a lot in later years and become much more restrained, but um, it's very exciting. And it's, it's just a good example of them like coming into their own, I think. So I think I, the other thing that, the, the thing that, that, that brings to my mind is the earth will swallow you the song. Cause yes. that's from the, almost the exact same era. Right. I mean, that was played yeah. almost, exclusively in 1990 until they brought it back, uh, you know, for a couple yeah. shows in 01. But, um, and, uh, did you, I'm saying that they played it in 2006. Were you on that? Yeah, we played you were it. on that. Yeah. In we, Idaho. Okay. Yeah. It was Jojo's birthday. And I was like, Jojo, yeah. let's play Earth will swallow you. And he's like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Jojo's birthday seems to be like a big event in the band for the band for some reason. I don't know why. It just seems like that they celebrate that more than maybe it's because it's always, you know, it's the middle of the summer or whatever, yeah. but, and, um, yeah, he's sort of, I guess the, the kind of clown prince, right? So well, they love uh, him, you know, he, yeah. he's, I don't know. Do you, he's full fledged member, obviously, I would consider original member, but you know, he was the last one to join up and it's all, you know, the original four definitely could, could throw some, some scathing comments around, but in a, in a good hearted way, do you know right. that scene in, in earth will swallow you when he's coming up, like into this John King studio? And... Yeah. Did you bring my sandwiches, boy? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. So they're just having fun and they just like to, yeah. you know, back then they just like to party and have fun and good time. Yeah. Now it's cool. It's, it's kind of special. Cause that was my, my first show was seven, 1893. It was Jojo birthday. And then that's I right. You told me that. Jojo, Jojo birthday at Mud Island in 97. And then the next year in 98 was in okay. Raleigh, I think. So okay. um, that was kind of a, a special day for me too. But uh, so anyway, I'll got kind of sidetracked there, but yeah, earth will swallow you. I feel like in the same kind of vein as this yeah. searched uh, and vibe. I, I was never told this by anyone in the band, but I heard that it materialized when they played the second cave show. And Mike was just looking out into the audience, which was the cave and then the opening of the cave and just started mm. playing that. And that's mm. how that happened. Wow. That's cool. I like yeah. that story, even if it's not true. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> so, okay. So we're going to play that. We're going to play Snorkel Search LA first, uh-huh. and then we're going to jump forward uh, nine and, or no, 11 years to, uh, to 2001 for a version of a clinic cynic. Yes. And this is, this version is from the UTC arena, UTC roundhouse in Chattanooga, Todd's hometown. And I just like the fact that he's, I think that's definitely the biggest place they ever played in Chattanooga. They were thing they were getting really big and like by fall of one, um, playing a lot, playing more and more arenas selling, you know, six and 8,000 tickets on a weeknight. Um, and I just love that 
you know, he's coming back to his hometown and, and singing one in the arena there and he got his family there and also just love in the chorus when he hit, he gets this little thing going on the right, the bell of the ride symbol that is just so Todd and it is so in the groove and it is so just awesome. Hopefully that'll make sense when you hear it, when I'm talking about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Um, and then we're going back to 92 to 411 92 for an impossible gimme, which is sort of an interesting combo. Yeah. Um, um, now I swear Portland, Oregon. Portland at the, is it the wow hall? No, no that's this is Eugene. Roseland, Roseland theater. Okay. Um, I used to have a cassette of this and I swear mm-hmm. before the impossible and it's not on the, the version I listened to on the internet, but you can hear somebody go, Todd wants to do impossible. And anyway, so that's part of the reason mm-hmm. I picked it. And then it's just a showcase for Todd and uh, all of them, really. They're just, you know, by this point, they've been on the road for a few weeks in the March and April of 92. And they're just in the groove and killing it. And I, th- I like the way the drums sound on this recording. And Todd is a monster and leading it and, and, all those dynamic shifts and impossible are just yeah beautiful and it's just awesome to hear and then the give me is jb i don't know i was listening to it today and it just sounds like you know jb's in the ether so to speak i don't know how to describe it but it's jb's out there in a very good way to me in the in the give me and uh and then the next thing is uh hatfield into a into a jam which and it's from uh april 26th 1993 at people's bar and grill in ames iowa have you ever heard anything about that show oh yeah i mean i feel like this is maybe the most pop most famous show from 93 okay cool be a a safe thing to say okay Um, cool yeah maybe maybe some of the the I don't even know, like maybe the Oak Mountain Horde show and Van okay. Rippers is, you know, and then that stuff in the fall. But to me, this is one that stood out um, yeah. early on just because there's so much crazy stuff happening. Yeah, you can tell they're having a blast. And, and so they probably just rehashing this for you. But so at the end of Hatfield's Killer, you know, it's it, it hadn't become the epic 11 minute thing yet, but it um, you can tell. So they get to the end of the jam and you can tell Mike wants to keep going. Mike kind of hints yeah. at the hints at the lick. And, and and so Todd and Dave are like, all right, let's do it. And they keep going and that works its way into like some really craziness. And, and uh, I think JB sings a couple of lines of thank you for letting me be myself. And then there's some point in there where I hear Mike play uh, this lick from uh, pictures of matchstick man. Do you know what that is? Huh. No. Okay. So there's a song, I think it was a sixties, mid, mid to late sixties song called pictures of matchstick man. And uh camper van Beethoven c- covered it. Yeah. And there's this theme, this lick in that song. And I can't, I don't really want to try to sing it cause it will be so, if you don't know it, it will not make any sense, but I hear him hint at it and I hear him kind of play it. And I always thought that was really, really cool. Nice. Um, Okay, so that's a pretty that's some good stuff. So we're gonna get into that, and then um, we'll come back and chat a little bit more and, and play some more music after that. So cool. Um, 
as always, enjoy these selections from uh, from Sam.
was, uh, those were four different shows. The first one was, uh, 42090, this Norquil Search LA from Murfreesboro. And then, uh, the Cynic from 112101 in Chattanooga. And then, uh, Impossible, Impossible Song, Gimme, from, uh, 41192, which was in, where do we decide? Portland, Oregon? Portland. Portland, Portland. And then, uh, Hatfield, jam from the people's bar and grill in Ames, Iowa. And, uh, I listened to that on my walk today and I mean, I definitely heard it before, but I really dug the, um, it was cool how, like you were saying, how they really just like slowed down Hatfield and then it was like, Mike just wasn't quite ready to yeah, to finish it. And they, those are some of my favorite, like there was, a was it, a. Oh no. So we played this one time it, and this, I don't know if you've ever heard that it's from the beginning of the 97 tour. It is, is it in Vail or park city or has one or Santa Cruz, man. I don't know. It's from that first week uh-huh. of, I think, and I think it was, I think it was Santa Cruz three twenty six ninety seven, and airplane diner. And it was like, Mike just wouldn't stop playing diner. Like it just, and it was almost like he couldn't hear the rest of the band that they had changed. And he just kept wailing on the solo and they had to like almost come back and like try again to end the song. I think that's what it was. (laughs) If you haven't heard it, it's like a, that is a, an epic moment uh, in the band's history. Okay. Um, And then like the other one that sticks out, it was a few weeks later in Burlington, Vermont, four twenty seven ninety seven. It was stop go wondering, and and this is actually pretty fitting for the Todd show. But like, they do stop go, uh-huh. and then Todd kicks into wondering, and like JB sings stop go for like another like minute, while while the rest while Todd and the rest of the band like are starting wondering, and he like finishes up stop go. Okay. It's, it's wow. Pretty, like, maybe it's like the whole last verse of stop go. Yeah. And like JB's like riding the wondering tempo, like oh, as cool. he's finishing up stop go. It's pretty good. That's so, cool. Yeah. That's something for your listening. Uh, See that, that's cool. Is that a, is that a soundboard? Cause I know there's a it bunch is. of, yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. soundboard. Cool. I will definitely yeah. listen, listen to that. Yeah. Um, okay. Santa, so that was good. Santa Cruz, a sound soundboard. No. Okay. No. That was just curious. Yep. Yeah. No, I think I feel like maybe one of the, I mean, it feels like the soundboards really pick up in at the Warfield. I think feel like one of the early shows, maybe there's yeah. like an analog soundboard. You know, the, do you know the story behind all those 97 soundboards or is uh, that, is that if you do, maybe you're not allowed to say it. So that's cool. I, no, I, at this point, who cares? Um, and no, then, no, I just, that's just one of those. It's like, it seems so random, you know, that th- clearly the band was done with letting people patch yeah. in. And then all of a sudden we just got this, like, I feel know. like that I heard that, um, there was a bunch, they were listening for, you know, light fuse. They were listening to material for light fuse. Yeah, uh, That makes and, sense. And I don't know who, Somebody, Somebody got one it. of the band members had a bunch of dats at their house or yeah. CDs yeah. that they were listening to, and someone dubbed them. Yeah, thank God. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yes. Um, next thing is, uh, I'm not familiar with of really of any of these shows that you picked out. So maybe give a little bit of background about what we're going to play here. 
So this is the Todd and Friends stuff. Um, so the first couple tunes I picked was, and these are Todd Nance and Friends shows that, um, this first one was November 27th, 2015 at the Poor House in Charleston. Uh, it was Todd, John Neff, uh, John Mills, Danny Hutchins, and myself. And the two songs, the first song is It Was You, which was a song Panic played a few times in 97. Did they play it in 98? Maybe like once or yeah. twice. But the it thing was a- about this that, that, always, that always stuck out was they started, I think, they started playing this almost as soon as they stopped playing Smoke and Burn. Like it was okay. almost a, like they stopped one and started playing the next, which always kind okay. of was interesting to me, but um, yeah. So anyway, it was a, it was a Mike, it was a Mike original writer. He yeah. sang it for the, yeah, when the band. He sang it. It. I, I assume he wrote, I assume he wrote, wrote it. It feels, it feels like a, his kind of song. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and then I, so I was suggesting songs for us to play in the, with this band and, and that was one of them. And, I, I had sung it with uh, my guys in the Sam Hole band and stuff and Todd wanted to sing it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that would be great. So we rehearsed it and uh, he, he, he sings this one. And then we, and then the next song from that show is black jacket, which is a Bloodkin song on the album creeper weed. And Todd plays on that album. And then the, I really loved playing this song. It's just That's a, great a killer song. song. So yeah. I, that's the first two and then what the was, next... was was um was todd still playing in panic i i don't know I, I can't because i wasn't really no, paying attention he was back on then, his, so he, okay. he was on his hiatus or okay. whatever yeah. um so I, th- I yeah so this was november of 2015 and then the next song is coach which is he todd wrote and sings and it's from August 24th, uh, 2015 in Denver. And he did a big Todd Nance and friends out there, uh, with a bunch of people. I think Jerry Joseph was there, Cody and Luther Dickinson. Uh, this is pretty much with the dirty birds who is, so it's Todd, Eric Martinez on guitar, Tori Pater on guitar, uh, Spanky McClure on bass and Andy Clapp on percussion, and this is a really nice recording, a good vocal by Todd too on this on this version. And this is he said it was on on the Louisiana Truck Stop album. No, I don't know. That's the next song. The doing. next song. Okay. I don't know if Coach was ever recorded or not. Honestly, is it? Could it be on one of those Wood albums? Maybe. Um, well, it looks like they played Panic played it. Maybe fifteen times between yeah. eight and fourteen. Okay. Um, so anyway, yeah. May, uh, and then there's one more song I picked, and it's from August eleventh, twenty eighteen, at Isis Music Hall in Asheville, North Carolina, and it was also a Todd Nance and Friends. Um, and it, the song is for one thing, which is a really cool. Uh, original song that Todd wrote and that is on the barbecue album Louisiana Truck Stop do you uh, I've been mean to ask you so the speaking of Louisiana Truck Stop the band the band played that one time you were on the crew right that was Halloween 02 I think 
In, do you man. recall that? It was <laughs> it was man. maybe it was maybe the largest uh, train wreck that I've ever seen on stage at a panic show. Like I think they basically stopped playing the song in the middle. Oh boy. And, so that's what I was asking because I, I it it really felt like there was like a technical malfunction, like they basically couldn't huh. hear each other. But maybe they just forgot how to play it. I don't know. But it was, yeah. That's I interesting. I don't know that I've listened to it since, but yeah, it was eleven two oh two. And that the third was night of the uh, UNO at Lakefront. Yeah. Huh. I have no memory of that. That is crazy. Okay. And John Neff is playing on that song. That was the only song, and he played, came back and played Heaven later. At night. So, wow. Yeah. Man. That's Amazing. more homework for you to listen more to. More homework. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and then the the band on this uh, 8 11 18, the for one thing from Asheville is Eric Martinez, Danny Hutchins, John Mills on bass, and Jeff Mosier and Todd. Okay. Cool. So, I, I mean, I assume was. So, what was the. I mean, because when did when did blood? I mean, Bloodkin and Panic. I mean, they just kind of come up together. When when did their yeah? When did their path? I mean, were they just from from the from the jump? Like they were both. But was Bloodkin around before Panic or no? I well, I can't I can't remember when the, I've heard the stories, and I think Panic, you know, Panic got together in '86 officially as their first mm-hmm. show. I feel mm-hmm. like Bloodkin moved to Athens in 86 or 87 and somehow they just, you know, obviously came across each other. Uh, Danny told me a story that I don't know how early on, but pretty early on that like that Todd and Mike came over to Danny and Eric's house. And it was like, you know, earlier in the day and they were like asleep and hung over and like, they're knocking on the door and they're like coming over and going, let it, Let's like going, like asking to see lyrics and like asking to see, you know, like asking about songs and stuff. Like a nerd, and, nerd music stuff. And, yeah. And, like, hey, do, let me see. What are the lyrics to this song? Let me see. Do you have those written out or whatever? <laughs> and, and, uh, like, I guess trying to find songs to play. And, uh, uh-huh. and I remember Danny goes, man, all I could think was these guys are as crazy as we are. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, so obviously they, I know that there's a lot of respect and between those two camps, obviously. I wonder when the, when the first, it sort of been make sense to me, maybe the first. That's the first thing um, they recorded. Yeah. It looks like they played that April 91. Um, okay. So that's probably the first Blakin song they did. I mean, the Parsons would, came later than that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, cool. So that's all uh, Todd and Friends stuff that we're going to yes. play now. Yeah, you know when you mentioned uh, that Todd sang it was you when when the band kept playing after Mike passed. Like, I don't know. I guess I kind of always felt like Todd like sang in sort of the same register that Mike did. That, like that would have been a pretty good. Maybe it was too close, you know, like yeah. that would have been the way to start bringing Mike songs back. But maybe they felt like they needed like to really go in a different direction. Do you, was that, did yeah. you ever, was that ever a conversation or did you ever hear? Whether, I, I never you know, really heard that. I know that 
Oh man, that's hard to say. I I think everyone was just so like shell shocked and like right. world blown up that no yeah. one really had any ideas like, beyond had like yeah decisions were just like they were they yeah were, yeah things that you walked past they weren't things yeah. that you were making right beyond beyond I think the only thing they did was keep showing up and there's right. a lot to be said for yeah. that. I mean, yeah. there's no blueprint. There's no handbook right. that says, hey, you're founding guitar player, songwriter, huge part of the band is gone now, uh, and you have all these dates booked. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't – and honestly, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical or deep or whatever, but I just – I don't think Todd ever really recovered from from Michael passing. And – uh I think, yeah. I think it's, he just, it's something that he lived with and he just, he just never got over it. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was ever the same for him and, and obviously it, not for anyone, but I just right. think, you know, he told me one time that my, up until Mike passed away, that was the person he had spent the most time with in the world. Yeah. And I know it was devastating for him. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, that definitely that definitely puts some perspective into that. So yeah, I'm so I don't mean to get too heavy, but no, yeah. I mean it's heavy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know yeah. so, um, and it you know makes a lot of sense too. So, um, all right, so but we should play some things that you know make us feel better about that. So that's right. Some some awesome tunes from from when Todd was was kicking out with the. Uh, it was this all was Danny I guess this was he here for all of those or not the yes. middle one? Okay, he was for all yeah. cool. Well, you know so what? Not the, the middle not the coach. He's okay. not he's not up there for the coach. He was there that night, but I don't believe he was up there for the coach. Okay. Good deal. Well, it's kinda cool. I mean, you know, I feel like last episode we were like Jerry Joseph heavy and now we're, yeah. we're Danny Hutchins heavy, which, you know, it all kind of makes sense. So those are yeah. those are the guys. So um Okay, so we'll play some more music and then we'll come back and uh, and chat a little bit more. We got, we still have uh, there are two, you know, we still have the two things that we teased last episode that we haven't gotten to, so we got to get to those. So stick around and we'll talk about those things uh, after this. So uh, we'll be back in a bit.
Wear shorts, wear some money. Can I get a radio check stage ride? Used to be Bud, but now it's Miller Lite.
that was uh is that is that a cover song sam who who originally wrote that song that is uh let's ch- it's check me out with the cheeseburger and it is uh no i wrote that my myself and mike smith who was currently the production manager for panic and was also todd's drum tech back then and uh we wrote that song uh i tell you where it started on the road, I'm guessing. <laughs> it started on the road in the Warfield in the Jerry Garcia room. We had the there's a room in the basement of the Warfield that has a purple door that says it's got Jerry's name on it, Jerry Garcia, yeah. and that was like his his dressing room apparently, and uh, that's where we had the rehearsal room set up. It's tiny, so we had to shove everything in there. So we had the rehearsal. What, what year? What year is this? Oh, three. Two thousand. It's okay. like after those four. They had panic played four nights at the Warfield, so we would come in and we, we were kind of messing around and, t- and, and uh, Mike would start like a drum beat or I'd start like a planar rhythm. And uh, so we had the, we kind of had the music, we had that music worked out. And then we drove after the last Warfield drove show, we drove straight to tell you ride. And it mm-hmm. was like, a, I don't know, 16 hour bus ride, something like that. Mm. So we ended up writing the lyrics on that ride. Did the crew, what was the bus, what was the bus situation at that point? Or was it like the crew on one, on one bus there or were, two? Or there, was, there was two crew buses. Okay. One with like uh, the backline people, which took care of the, you know, all the equipment on the stage and like the tour accountant and the tour manager and the production assistant. And then there was another crew bus that had uh, like the lighting and sound guys on it. Mm. And then a a band bus. Um, But we, we had a super long drive from San Francisco to Telluride. And so we wrote the lyrics on the way our, yeah, we wrote the lyrics on the way um, on that long drive about, I remember somewhere I have, the handwritten lyrics mm. and I wrote like eight, eight, 11, Oh three, four AM or something you know, <laughs> by, by Mike Smith and Sam Holt. We were definitely having a good time. And uh, the songs about uh, this guy named Steve Lopez, who was a production assistant now then, and now is mm. panics tour manager and working. What does the production manager. assistant do back then? A production assistant. It's coffee and answers the phone or does he do more than that um back lopez would like deal with the catering people uh make sure the meals were what everybody you know up to snuff and like out there on time uh he would also like get all the schedules printed put them all over the building Mm. deal with the runners and the runner is like uh you play a show and you're like, you have a runner that basically goes and gets stuff for you. If you need it, like, Hey, we need more printer paper. Hey, we can you mm-hmm. send some, we got laundry to do today. Can you take this to a local uh, place and drop it off? Uh, so deals with that deal deals with anything that comes up. Plate is very full mm-hmm. and always working. So he, all those lyrics, and I mean, I don't know how in depth you want to get into it. All, all those lyrics are true. Um, Actual quotes and uh, well, and just radio real chatter. life stories. Yeah, radio chatter for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first lyrics are uh, 
hey, yeah, check me out with a cheeseburger. Had a cheeseburger in Reno on a plate walking through the casino. So somebody had, I don't know who, Dave maybe, had asked. We were playing a show, I guess in Reno, obviously, and someone had, he he was went to got a, a cheeseburger for someone. And he was walking through the casino, but he had it on this, like, plate, like, up in the air. Like, he was, like, it was up in like the a, air. Like a... <laughs> like a waiter or something and me and mike mike smith <laughs> mike smith was like like we we're like 20 feet away from him yelling hey check me out with the cheeseburger and like all these people would turn around and look at him so we thought that was like the funniest thing ever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh i mean i can keep going if you want i can i think we should spend all- a few minutes in this well, you don't have to go through the whole thing but maybe okay maybe i'll get a couple the, more the stories ones. yeah um there's something about with Sonny, right? Uh, so, hey, Lolo, are you with Sonny? I killed the mini uh, bar. Schwartz, where's the money? Uh, he was like when they would be trying to get the band on stage. Like it'd be it like it would. Sonny would be the one. They're like, who's got eyes on Sonny? Sonny, are you mm-hmm. Lolo? Are you with Sonny? Because it would be like we got five. We need six. Where's Sonny? And then there would be a lot of radio chatter. Lolo, are you with Sonny? Trying to get Sonny on stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I killed the mini bar. Schwartz, where's the money? We had a he had a party in his room at the in a hotel room in L.A. And literally, this is before this is the run before the Warfield, right? There was yes. we all played at the Wiltern three yes. nights at the Wiltern. And I remember it was I think it was called Le Park Hotel. Apparently, it was we were told it was the same hotel that Ozzy Osbourne holed up and in for like a year in like 1980 when he was really bad off anyway mm. so he had a party in his room and there was it was just chaos in, in there and the, the they emptied the mini bar at least twice they would have him come stock it again <laughs> at like 5 a.m and then just re, you know kill it again and then schwartz was the accountant brian schwartz so he would have to get he would have to get his per diem from brian schwartz to pay the to pay, pay the, the hotel the yeah and then there's one that's uh, check me out with the shaker in my hand, slipping just started, and I'm playing with the band. So Lopez, Sonny would bring Lopez up to play the shaker on Slipping in the Darkness. Was it always just slipping? Or was yeah, this- I, he may have expanded since uh-huh. I left. So I don't know if he's. Yeah. I assume he still gets up there if he can. He's probably too busy now, but he's yeah. Sonny wanted him up there to play the shaker because there's that part that I guess needs to be played. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, it's all true uh, stories. It's great stuff, and it's yeah. got a great. It sort of got like a little reggae feel, right? And, yeah. Uh, Any any time I've like tried to teach it to someone or like tell them like, hey, we're gonna play this song. Here's I always tell them this is my description. Picture Sublime in like a outdoor record store show in like a parking mm-hmm. lot in like 1988. Mm-hmm. Like that's my and vibe. That's, I'm that's going the vibe. For. Yeah, that's, that's a good vibe. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, well, I just yeah no. I, so I appreciate that. I like yeah. yeah I picked. I figured that there were some there were some good stories behind it. How, does Does Lopez like check me out with a cheeseburger? Oh yeah, we only play it. I only really play it if he comes to the gig. Okay. Yeah. But it's the guys sort of I play with know it. They know it, and like they yeah. know if if Lopez shows up, we's probably gonna play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So speaking of, uh, you know, things that are, uh, are near and dear to your heart. Um, 
the other thing that we that we that we, we that I brought up in the last episode that we did not have enough time to get into was was or is rather sorry not past tense is is home yes. team so that's something that is that's been around i'm sure that anybody who is listening to this if they've made it this far um knows has heard about home team and i feel like it's one of those things where you kind of you and maybe this is the whole the whole premise behind it it's like you kind of you understand it just by kind of being around it and hearing people talk about it, but not really understanding like the Genesis or like what the real thing about it is. Does that seem yeah, about I right? Mean, okay. And it's also something I don't really think you can like hit it, hit a bullseye on it. And then like, mm. Oh, here's the date. Here's where it started. Here's exactly mm. what it means. I think the closest thing you can get is there's a manifesto, I think written by JT Lucchese who's mm-hmm. a great artist and does a lot mm-hmm. of poster poster art for people. Uh, and the people that I associate bringing this forth originally are JT. Um, and JT was a taper too, right back in yes, the day. Okay. Yes. Like a lot of the early stuff is JT. Yes. And here, quick story. Do you know that? He ran like from, Na- Nakamichi's, right? Nakamichi 300. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty so, sure. Yeah. So, um, do you know that poster for Myrtle Beach, the Panic Show in '99, where it's a taper that's the devil? I don't know that I do. Anyway, there's it's one of my okay. favorite posters. But it's it, but it's is that his? Yeah, he did it, and it's like the a devil, a devil with a mic stand and two mics, like recording the show. Mm. And uh, at Halloween '92, Richard Kerlopian, who I had mentioned earlier, who was became panics when a merchant his, their merchandise guy who recorded all those shows he was dressed as the devil at halloween 92 and was recording with the microphones so i'm convinced mm. that's where he got that mm. anyway so jt i believe was one of the originators as was eli akins who is one of my best friends and we he became producer and tour manager and engineer for outformation the band I used to play in and another guy named Gene Sego, who was from Florida, uh, mean Gene, Gene mean. And I so feel, those, those, I feel are, like those, the, those yeah. names all bring me back to like spread net circa like, yeah. you know, 94, sure, 95 man. hardcore. Uh, same gunner hole. Yeah. Tapers. Those guys were all tapers. Um, we all met basically, uh, going to see shows. Um, I, man, I met JT early on. I think I probably met him at some aquarium rescue unit shows. I remember hanging out with him at a fish show at the Georgia theater. Um, but anyway, they, they kind of, I don't know if they were, they, I don't think they had anything in mind. They just, I think they were just like, you know, I, I've heard someone say, you know, when panic comes out, it's like, they're the home team, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. they're, they're whatever town they're in, you know, you're pulling for the mm-hmm. home team, but it's also mm-hmm. a state of mind and there's a manifesto. And if you would care to read any of it, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, but I think people could, if, if they want to know any more about it, I think you could get glean some information from, from that. Yeah. I, um, 
I'll read the first part and then I think we'll post it maybe on okay. on our different places just so people can see it. But um, home team is a feeling. It is a mindset. We have it and we like to share it. It is knowing and being proud of who you are and where you come from. It's what you represent. It is where you are now and where you're going from here. So that's pretty cool. I'd like to read the second paragraph because I do think it's somewhat important. Home yeah. team is as universal as love, music, or art, transcending boundaries of language and vocal expression. Something home team is not a FU. Negative attitude while walking through this life. It is not that. Home team represents moving forward and being positive. Not to the side, not backward, not negative. You help yourself move forward. Hmm. And there's more from there. But, I th- yeah, you know, they just stuff. started making shirts yeah. and stickers and stuff and giving them i mean they would give them to the crew they would give them to the band they would give them to whoever you know yeah and it's cool when you think about like you were saying about when the band you know the band is always the home team and so to like to wear that um as like as a jersey or you know as the sticker when you show up and you're like we're the we're the fucking home team you know (laughs) yeah i mean again not like in a negative way right just you know yeah we are so yeah, so that, I think that's I I appreciated you uh, getting into that a little bit just because I know yeah. that's, uh, those guys are near and dear to my heart. Those those yeah. those those guys, they really are. They're good, really good. Some of the best people I've ever been lucky enough to be around. Is does JT still and and I, if you're if you want to see the artwork, it's on the Panic Stream Myrtle uh, five four ninety nine uh, show there stream is the is the artwork which is awesome um does jt still do artwork for the for the band like yeah. does he do show posters still okay yeah. as far as i, I know so. now i'm not yeah. i'm not quite as plugged in as i used to be but yeah. i assume he is i mean i know he's yeah. doing a lot of screen printing um i have several pieces of art he's a huge huge zappa fan and he's got me a lot of cool zappa recordings he has a ton of Zat live Zappa bootlegs, you name it. And he's, he does a lot of cool art. Uh, I would encourage anyone to check out his stuff if possible. JT Lucchese. What, um, speaking of what are, what, what are you listening to these days other than, um, you know, obviously you listen to panic all the time for this podcast, but, um, yeah, you know, and toy Caldwell, what, what other things do you listen to? I've been listening to a lot of, wrestling podcasts believe it or not oh, wow uh this guy named jim Cornette, who lives in he's from louisville he was a wrestling manager in the 80s and 90s yeah uh i really like listening to his podcast i know that sounds crazy but or it may not um it it lets me live in that moment right now it lets mm. me when I'm listening Escape, to that podcast, to, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. And I really need that sometimes, as I'm sure yeah. everyone does. Yeah. So I know yeah, that's that is... maybe not the, a musical answer, but it is what I'm listening to a lot uh-huh. when I can. Uh, I don't get to listen to a, a ton of it. But yeah. So is that something that like you were into when you were, you know, a teenager? Yes. Or earlier? And so that's, yeah. I was a huge wrestling fan growing up, um, big like Ric Flair fan, Jerry the King Lawler. I was lucky enough to grow up in tennis, middle Tennessee before I moved to Chattanooga when I was when I was young, and, and I got Memphis wrestling 
And so you, I, was, I mean, I'm guessing going to the Mid-South Coliseum was a big deal for you then. Huge deal. Did I tell you the story about Dave Brown introducing the band? No. Okay, so there was one of the main re- wrestling announcers for Memphis Wrestling for, gosh, 20 or 30 years. Uh, there was a guy named Lance Russell and a guy named Dave Brown. Dave Brown was also a local weatherman, and him and Lance were a team, uh, and they did the TV broadcast. And uh, one, we I can't remember what year it was. Oh six, maybe oh five, oh six. We we got to the Mid South Coliseum, and uh, Lopez was like, "Hey, who who were who were some of the wrestling announcers in Memphis?" And so I told him, I was like, "Well, I think Lance Russell doesn't live here anymore, but Dave Brown, he's I think he's still the weatherman." And Later that afternoon, I got a call on the radio. Hey, can you come in the production office? And I came in, and Dave Brown was in there. And oh, I was wow. Like, Holy crap, Dave. <laughs> I was like, I was starstruck. And, you know, wow. it's like, man, I feel like I know you. You know, I watched you growing up when I was a kid. Loved loved watching Memphis wrestling. And, and so they got him to introduce the band that night. And mm. uh, he asked me, he goes, what do you think the combined weight of the band is? So I sat oh, there for nice. a minute and tried to add it up. I can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember what I came up with, but yeah. you can listen to the recording and he he introduces the band and I can't remember what he said, but he was something like four weighing in at eleven hundred fifty one and one half pounds out of Athens, <laughs> Georgia, and I was just like in heaven. Nice. And I think they busted in the love tractor out of that. So that would probably have been seven twenty eight oh six. So okay. they did. That was the only. They didn't play in 05, so. Okay. Come on, everybody! I'm Dave Brown, and I spent a lot of great Monday nights in this Miss South Coliseum. I cannot begin to tell you what a thrill it is to be here on this Friday night for this group. In all my years of playing rock and roll on the radio, I've come to appreciate bands that are classic and bands that attract a great loyal following like you. In all my years of doing wrestling, I've come to appreciate a great show. You're going to see that tonight. And I've also learned not to stand out here and take time from the main event. So without further ado, from Athens, Georgia, at a total weight of 1,451 and a half pounds, widespread panic! And that was a love tractor. And then okay. the next night, you you came out on stage and played uh, oh, "Impossible right. Visiting Day Last Dance" because second set. I have memories of that. Yes, I remember. I remember the crowd popping pretty good when we JoJo sang the.
that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think. Did we, oh no. Okay, so here's the last thing we got to cover. Um, you 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 were gonna tell the people about your favorite uh, stream from the Sunday streams. Um, oh yeah. That they've been doing. Now we haven't. As we record this, there's one more. This Sunday is going to be yes. uh, the New Year's 01. So you have not seen that. So that's possible. Maybe that might that's become true. Your, your, your favorite. Uh, and true. we don't know what they're going to do in September. We're hoping that they can get back into the archives, but maybe we'll get back to, you know, yeah. 20, 2017 Red Rock shows. But um, what, uh, what, what has been your favorite thus far? Well, the reason this came up, I don't Harvey and I were talking and I was like, there's one I was like, the one I thought would be my favorite or I didn't think would be my favorite is actually my favorite. And it's the Milwaukee one, which I looked at it on paper. I, I had oh. never listened to that show before. And the show uh, is on fire. Yeah, no, man. totally. I was with you because it was like on paper. It's average. It's yeah. a festival. It's a festival set. It's like, yeah. eh. but it is burning up start to finish yeah no that's that's awesome i'm glad that we are in that same place yeah like the tall boy you know tall boy is what it is it's a it is a four minute song that's mm -hmm. you know they play a lot it's a big deal but the jam out of that is ridiculous like it has got all the like if i was trying to explain to someone like what you know what makes them special right. why do you like the, why do you like this band so much yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know, like listen to this you know they're like pushing each other and todd is just going nuts and mike is won't let it go and dave is just sounds great it's really i just really enjoyed that one a lot um i think part so, yeah. of um part of what stands out to to me about that is because that is an era of the band where there's like little to no soundboard tapes and right. uh, the audience tapes, no offense to the tapers, but generally sound like garbage. And it wasn't the tapers so fault. Right. So yeah, the offense is to, to other people <laughs> involved uh, because it is, it's pretty rough and they were just coming off. They'd done the early spring European tour and then they went back in the summer and this was the first show back after that summer Europe tour. So I feel like oh, they really, really? They, yeah, they were okay. Um, they were itching. so they did that. Yeah, right. You could tell, right? Nice. That they were they were ready to get back out. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was just that I'd, I'd forgotten that they did. You know, they did that long Europe tour the first time and came back uh -huh. and did uh, did Athens and then they did the sort of I guess it was like the first leg of the what ended up being the traveling light tour. You know, with the where they played the big sheds with G Love and the Mule and. Yeah. Um, different bands and then they went Galactic. back right and then they went back over and did they played a show in paris strasbourg and then two in germany and one in london just so just like six shows in europe and then came back and that milwaukee was the first show back so okay um so i would say maybe like that era is like maybe better than we give it credit for because it's just hard to hear good sounding tapes from that from that era. Yeah, I, man, 98, 99, it, God bless the tapers. I know that they're bringing sick equipment, high dollar mm -hmm. mics, preamps. And yeah. yeah, and that was, I mean, that was, and that's what sucks was because that really was like, that was when those guys were really, I yeah. mean, it was going next level as far as what they were bringing in for, as a rig, um, like 
and there were a lot of guys doing it and it just, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot. So, I mean, and I don't want you to call out any people, but do you feel like, was it a, a equipment thing or a operator thing or some combination, or if you don't want to say, then that's fine too. Um, I'll quote a, a band member. Okay. Anonymously. Yeah. I think our production had gotten limited and we needed to expand. And I really think once fall 2000 hit that those guys were being presented the way they should be presented. Okay. So you don't think it turned the corner? Cause I felt like 99, it started sounding a little better. Well, they okay. got in the new, they got a new rig. Right. And that was like, I remember that being a big deal in like November of 98. Okay. I forget, I forget what it was, but it was like, I feel like that, um, well, they, they had played the Roseland ballroom and it was like, okay. well, I forget what it was. It was some like new technology that they had and everybody was excited. It was going to sound better. Yeah. It was, a, it was called a line of line array. Line array. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. uh, but anyway, I, f- <laughs> yes. So that, that didn't solve all the problems though. Right. Man, you know, I didn't. See, I, I, I don't want to cast aspersions. I didn't see him a lot in '99, so I can't. I can only judge by the audience tapes I've heard from '99. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you, you're probably right that things, the things got better, but I really feel when uh, a lot changed once the fall 2000 tour hit. I felt like mm-hmm. that tour was, the production was really awesome. Yeah. No, I think you're right. That's when they started sounding like they were supposed to sound for sure. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, no. So, uh, so Milwaukee was your favorite of the stream. I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't yeah. think I would. I ended up watching, like I only watched like, uh, a little bit that night and I went back and watched more of it later that week when I had a chance and I was like, man, they're on fire. Yeah. I feel like I was texting you that night and I was like, man, this is some fucking shit. You need to be yeah. watching it. Yeah. And, uh, Avis and yeah, it's good stuff. Is there a so diner what, that night? Um, is there a diner? I think there is. Uh, yeah. So I remember thinking there. like they're in, they're in the deep territory. The yeah. It yeah. was, yeah, it was use me diner drums. Yeah. And that whole, that thing is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you dug that. So, and then, was the one that you thought was going to be your favorite was your least favorite? Is that what you said? No, I was just okay. I was just commenting on like that Nashville show uh-huh. that that it just I just this is from viewing it for thirty minutes and okay, from but that's an enough to, to pass a full, well, complete and total uh, opinion about a show for thirty minutes. There's it no just doubt. seemed like they they weren't as into it as some of the other ones. That's all. Yeah. And who knows, man? I mean, th- mm-hmm. who knows? I I, I can't say that with a hundred percent honesty. I just felt that's the perception I got. I mean, not honesty, a hundred percent certainty. There. Were, do you remember what part of the show you watched? I watched probably like the first 30 minutes. There was some, oh, the, like, oh, I just felt set. like they, there was some jam and they just like, just Didn't cut really it anywhere. off. Like, I just yeah. get to the next song. At least that's what, yeah. I, what I got out of it. Yeah. Um, I feel like the second set of that, like they do chili, Jack, chili, oh, all cool. time low is, is pretty good. But cool. again, you know, you need, it needs to have more than 
one song to be a great show. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the to the New Year's one um, this yeah. weekend. So that should be fun. Yeah. Um, and if you if you you know if you're looking for something to do beforehand, then 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 boy do I have a, a thing for you to do, which is to check out the Sam Holt uh, stream on Facebook, right? Yeah. Is that um, happening this Sunday? Yeah, I'm probably just going to do it every Sunday till any something changes. <laughs> Doesn't appear to be on the horizon. I don't know, man. Who knows? Who knows? Um. So, any? Do you have any ideas? When do you just you you just go in free? Like you know, you're not you're not mapping out a set list tonight for that show on for the, no, for the set I'm on probably, Friday. I'll probably look at what I played the last last week and mm-hmm. on on Sunday afternoon before the show and just write some stuff down I didn't play last week and then I really do try to look at the comments to see if there's something people want to hear and if I if I know it I'll usually play it. Have you played anything that you had never played before? I played Black Muddy River by oh. the Dead Jerry. Yeah. I played Hello Walls by Willie Nelson. Um, I think I probably played everything else I've been playing. You know, I throw a few originals okay. in there. Yeah. Yeah, there may be something else, but it's not coming to me right now. Well, check that out, everybody. And that's on your Facebook page, right? Facebook.com slash Sam Holt Music. Now, um, this may be more of a question for for Andrea, but is there a reason why, because she's, she's like the marketing expert. So I don't, I'm not here to tell, to tell her business. Okay. So don't, but is there a reason why the video is vertical instead of her horizontal? Do you, do you have any idea? Does, does, does that make any sense to you? From my understanding, that is mm-hmm. the way it has to be with the iPhone 11. Now, okay. It, if I'm okay. wrong on that, somebody please leave no, me a I'm, message on Facebook because I would love. <laughs> I'm to, sure that you're right. I would love to know if if okay. I'm incorrect on that. I mean, I think there you could say that it makes more sense, certainly for people watching on on their mobile devices, but for those yeah. of us who want to sit down and watch it on their big screen at home, yeah. and, you know, crank it up. It's like I'm I'm missing out on all the action. That, I don't. For, from so okay, I'm not sure. But I think that that's the only option as okay. far as, and I've been pretty happy with the audio from mm-hmm. it. Uh, you know, I've th- thought about getting a couple mics and a USB interface and a little mixer, but I, I don't know if I'm going to beat it the way, I mean, the camera and the audio are pretty, pretty top notch on that yeah. on new iPhones. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Um, okay. So that's Sunday. So that'll be fun. What um, what are, what are we gonna play? You got we got one more segment of music to play yeah, for people before uh, we get out. Let's see. Here. The first thing is, it'll, this will. Be... Oh yeah, yeah. No, and you got some. So this is some interesting stuff. So I want to hear. You got. You said you got a little bit of. Um, so the first thing is the let's get down to business from eleven thirty ninety four. Yes, so that is Chattanooga. This is Panic again. I feel um, like we got a bit of a Chattanooga bias. Uh, we do. Okay. We do. All right. uh, okay. I, ain't gonna, cool. I, ain't, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> uh, 
let's get down to business opener. So they had been on the road a lot this year. They had been on the road a lot. They've and been, they've they, been trying to sell a record. Sell a record, working hard, pushing Ain't Life yeah. Grand. Yes. Yeah. Which is the best selling record, by the way. Well, and they earned it for sure. They, they played that song a whole off. lot that year. Yeah. <laughs> and it has that, I believe that album has the most songs by Mike on it. Like he sings okay. like three or it's four a songs great, on that. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's it is. Record. I really love it. Sounds mm-hmm. really good. I love it sonically mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was that the first? Was, that was the first Keen record, right? No, he did Space Wrangler. Okay, all right. I guess yeah. I just I almost feel like Space Wrangler is just like almost a different band. It um, is. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they captured something there. It, yeah, they're. Oh, that's certainly kids. what they were. Ha- that's what they were. Ha- you know, that's what was happening yeah. then. But when yeah. I think of like Watchword Panic, it's just that's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. But that was their first time. They did two two albums with with Johnny Sandlin, right? And yes. Then, and then came back to Keen, yes. Brain Left Grand, and he definitely um, captured their their sonic. Um, I was I walked into the room the other day, and my and my wife had uh, Junior was playing on like her phone or something a device and i was like holy crap mike's killing it what show is this and it was the record (laughs) yeah i was like god that to be able to rip it that hard in the studio and like is is not easy to get it to get it right is is difficult enough to like get it right and then have a great performance is extremely difficult anyway so I digress. Yeah, no, he sounds no, no. I mean, uh, he sounds so great on that, like that whole record, like Little Kin. He sounds yeah, fucking raw, and I mean, fish water and all that stuff. It's just man, I love '94 so Panic. He is, he is, yeah. he is, he is, he is progressing, and he is, he's just metal licks going on, like heavy mm-hmm. metal stuff going on, and he eventually progressed and evolved beyond that to where like the, the last couple of years, I didn't hear that as much. He was evolving into a different kind of mm-hmm. fast playing. I don't know mm-hmm. the right word mm-hmm. to describe it, but I just love that era. 90, like the set list from the 94 shows, like they aren't off the charts all the time. No, but, but I just, feel like into the fall, they started mixing it up more. I think yeah. spring and summer that you could tell they were, I mean, they're, you know, you're getting a lot of the same songs, but I feel like yeah. in the fall, they start, they start mixing it up a little bit more. But the playing is unreal. They're mm-hmm. so, so on fire. Just their, their minimum level of operation is, was very high at that right. at that point. Okay, so, so this anyway, is uh, so. W- is there anything specific about this version of "Let's See Down to Business" besides yes. it being in Chattanooga? Okay, it's the opener. It's they've been working hard all year. They're getting close to home. Todd, that is Todd's hometown. He's. I know he was excited. I mean, I didn't ask him this, but I know he was excited. They're playing Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Um, this Gary is early says, too. They just they just uh, brought. Let's get down to business out like a month prior. So oh really? It. Okay. Because um, it was uh, Halloween, I think '94 was the uh, was the debut. So this okay. was just a month after that. And still fresh. And Gary, when Gary introduces the band, he says "Hello, Choo Choo," and I just I love that. Oh, nice. And then I just always there's this one drum fill that I always love in the song that Todd does. And I think it's it's the later. It's I think it's right after JB says I couldn't see through your Tai Chi. 
Mm-hmm. And I was feeling so sad. It's the second one of those lyrics, whatever. I think that's the one. And he does this, and he does it every time. I'm sure he, that's the way they recorded it. But it's like this drum fill that's like snare kick kick, snare kick kick. And it is mm. so, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like metal. Like that's straight out of friggin' geese, or, uh, tone, uh, Bill Ward from Black Sabbath. Like straight out of that, that kind of drum fill. So I just love hearing that. And then the next tune is uh, Low Spark of High Heeled Boys from the Paradise Theater in Montgomery, Alabama, October 28th, 1992. And this this truly is an epic version. Mm. They go so far out, and it is a very good example of Todd taking them different places. And they'll hint at, Hey, I want to get out of this place, but it's up to him to get him out of mm. it. And it is, I don't know how long it is. Isn't it something like 17 minutes? It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous yeah. in a Especially very for a mid- good way. Set once, you know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. maybe an encore. He might get a super long low spark, but just yeah. Mid-set. Like they were out in the, out in the nether regions. Like they were just seeing what could happen. I just loved it when the, they were fearless, you know. They did. They knew they didn't have to cater to fans. Mm-hmm. Not that they would like try to do something to piss fans off, but they were playing for themselves just to see what could happen, just to be an just be open and see where this would take them. And this is I a think, very good example. I think this version. I'm pretty sure this is the one where it's like people like are excited about them starting low spark, which seems like not, you know, they're playing a, a you know, a small, you know, it's, it just seems surprising for that era that you would have people like really excited to hear low spark, but yeah. I guess that just shows where they were at, you know, in, in the college scene, but, um, yeah, well, like those people girls were getting like, excited about low spark. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And that was definitely a club. So those people were probably about 13 beers in at that point too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, and then um, the last, the last, the last one. one is from Asheville, uh, November twenty second, two thousand, and it's "You'll Be Fine," and and I wanted to just find the best sounding version, live version of "You'll Be Fine" I could, and this is a really nice recording that uh, Horace Moore from when he was doing the Porch Songs releases and stuff. This is one he mm-hmm. put out, and it's just a really great sounding soundboard, and Todd's vocal is very present in it's just a beautiful song and I, I love that that Todd could write such a such a sensitive song it was about mm-hmm. one of his friends who met an early end and uh, I just I love this song yeah yeah I was you know uh, listening to I think it was it was cynic and I was like man you know I just he, I guess he really only had three songs. Well, I mean, I know, you know, he'd written, we went through them last time, you know, other songs that he had written that he didn't sing, but three yeah. songs that he sang with the band. And it's like, man, I really dig all of them. Like none of them are throwaway. Yeah. Like they're all really, really good songs. Um, yeah. He was, he was a really good writer, really said some good, some had something to say, you know, it, mm-hmm. it didn't come out all the time, but I think he his his songs definitely carried weight. All right, man. Well, um, I truly, truly appreciate you. You know, spending the time getting into all this stuff and um, 
You know? It's really my pleasure. It really is. Yeah. I love talking about, you know, the good old days and and stuff that really had an impact on me and and tons of other people too. Right, and that, like like you said, I mean, we I think um, we're so lucky that there's just such a large um, library of stuff that we can continue to dig in yeah, and find like these gems. You know what I mean? That's such a, and that's you know that is a a tribute to like, you know, to you and other guys that were like lugging freaking cassette decks around, um, the Southeast, uh, <laughs> you know, 30, almost 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, you know, yeah, thank, um, it's thankless work, but we are thanking you now for sure. Well, I had a good time doing it and believe me some of those car trips after the show driving four or five hours listening to the show again were almost as intense as some of the shows <laughs> no doubt um okay well uh sunday nights on uh on sam the sam holt uh facebook page and uh, best of luck to you and, and the family uh as as we continue on through these uh through these times yeah it's unprecedented i know we hear it every day but if whatever you're feeling out there it's valid everyone everyone's feelings are valid at this point i don't i just give yourself a break i know i need to too sometimes but if there's someone out there that you haven't talked to in a while call them text them tell them you're thinking about them life is short and and Mm. this world this world is could use that right now and always yep good words all right sam thanks uh thanks for joining us and uh i hope to talk soon sounds good thank you good evening choo choo how's it going out there all right you guys sound great tonight how about one more round of applause for our friends in the freddie jones band Here we go, all the way from Athens, GAS Capricorn recording artist, widespread panic! Let's get down to business, shall we? It's time we stop playing games. Let's get down to business, shall we? And quit with this lame pretense. And tackle this, what shackles us out of this pressing business. Well, why didn't you tell me? were falling apart I was off in my own little world I didn't discern your slow burn through all those weathering hearts